to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Welcome to our Wednesday's Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Andrew Womack, and today I'm going to be interviewing Lucas Miles. He's been a friend of mine for a long time, and boy, God is just blessing Lucas and promoting him and giving him an increased stage to reach more and more people all the time. And you will really be blessed. But right before I go to Lucas, let me just mention that Lucas is going to be one of our speakers at our Truth and Liberty conference that is next week. The dates on that are the 7th through the 9th. And we're also going to have Congressman Doug Lamborn, David Barton, Alex McFarland, Chad Connolly, uh, Janet Porter, uh, Mohammed Faridi, Richard Harris, and myself. And I tell you, last year's Truth and Liberty Conference was one of the best uh, conferences I've ever been to in my life. I tell you what, it, if it didn't light your fire, your wood was wet. And I just know that this year is going to be great. And so I encourage you to come. Also, the Murins, the people who do all of our musicals, they are, uh, they are going to be performing a brand new musical about the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And Elizabeth has written some of the greatest musicals. I mean, there's been thousands and thousands of people touched. And they aren't inter just entertaining. They are uh, they touch you on a heart level. And she is saying that this is the best thing she's ever written, that it is super redemptive. And uh, if at all possible, I'd encourage you to come and be a part of it. And then on September the 11th, we're having another musical that we've been putting on for the last three years, I think it is. And it's about 9-11. And it's three of the stories of people that perished in the 9-11 attacks. And it is a powerful thing. So all of that's coming up this coming week. And uh, man, we just got a lot of things. I did a construction update today and uh, they poured 170 yards worth of concrete today. And we are beginning to get buildings built. We've now got three out of the six permits that we're working for for our first uh, dorms. And anyway, there's just a lot of good things happening. If you would go to truthandliberty.net, we have one of the best websites. And one of the things that makes it so good is it's not just us containing everything, but we link to many, many different sources. And you can go there. You actually can get a news feed where our people go to all of these different sources and compile everything together so that you don't have to spend hour after hour reviewing things. You can go to that one site. And we have a lot of resources and link to other things. And it would be really, really good. So there's a lot more I could say. But I want to get to Lucas and give him an opportunity to Join with us. So uh, this is Lucas Miles. Welcome to our Truth and Liberty Live call-in program. Hey, thanks for having me back. Man, we love you. And uh, you have just been everywhere lately. And right before we came on the air, a lot of it is you're doing so many interviews about your new books and stuff. How many books do you have and how do people get those? Yeah, so this is, um, this is my third uh, solo book. I have a couple other, you know, eBooks and some comp. I did a compilation book with uh, Dr. George Barna here this last year uh, called Helping Millennials Thrive. Uh, my first book was called Good God, 
um, that uh, really looks at the problem of evil and and does a has kind of a full commentary in the book of Job. My second book was called The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. And that's really the first in this kind of uh, series on culture and faith and politics that I'm doing. Uh, my new book, which is kind of right behind me over my shoulder here, Woke Jesus. Uh, this is a book that's that's come out from uh, Humanix Books, which is Newsmax's publishing arm. And it's really a deep dive into understanding the history of wokeism and really how progressive ideology first crept into the church. I start in the 1700s, kind of work my way forward. Any history buffs out there are really going to enjoy uh, kind of that journey. But then I get into a lot of the practical ramifications of wokeism, why it's so dangerous, why it's so deadly to Christian faith, and ultimately what as we as, uh, as believers can do about it uh, to really start seeing the, the, the tables turn, I think, in the church here. Well, man, that'd be great. Let's talk about that. But first, would you just give a little bit of background about how did you get to where you are? I mean, God yeah. has given you a huge platform. I've seen you on Fox. I mean, you're everywhere nowadays. How did, how did you get from where you were to where that. you are? Well, it's, it's interesting. In some ways, the Lord's kind of taken me on a full circle. I, I, um, I, I grew up really in the church. Uh, we, lived, um, uh, we lived kind of down the street from a small church of Christ. I was a cessationist. I uh, you know, really grew up with no understanding of the Holy Spirit outside of just sort of the, the salvific, you know, saving work of Jesus. Um, and at a at, uh, young age, probably about, oh, um, probably about 15 years old, felt like the Lord called me into ministry. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. Really, my only model of ministry at that time was youth pastors. So I just assumed I was going to be a youth pastor. And I was for a short period of time. And uh, I ended up getting a job at my home church. Uh, and and I made this one deadly mistake. I started reading scripture and, and really oh, diving would. into it. I know it'll mess you up every time. <laughs> and I was teaching through the book of Acts and I, you know, being the youngest pastor on the team, I oftentimes drew the short straw. And so <clears throat> I was teaching the youth group on Wednesday nights. And then on Thursday mornings, I would come in at 6 a.m., because none of the other pastors wanted to do it. And I did a senior's Bible study as in, you know, uh, um, you know, folks 60, you know, five plus or whatever it was at the time. And, uh, and I taught them the same lesson, just verse by verse through the book of Acts. And in the seniors group, I started having, you know, some of these people, which for me at the time, they were elderly people. You know, I was, I was 20, 20, no, I was probably 19 or 20 years old. And um, I started having people ask uh, me if I would pray for them for various illness that they had. They were going to the doctor, they had some issue, and, and we had just read some story in the, in the book of Acts about you know seeing somebody healed or blind eyes open or something. And, and so I'd say, hey, let's just pray for them. We started praying for people and start, people started getting healed you know, in this senior Bible study at a church mm. of Christ. And as you can imagine, I got ran out of that church real yeah. fast, uh, ended up kind of having to resign, moved out uh, for about two years um, near uh, Toledo, Ohio, a small town called Wasion, And that's where I first heard of this, this guy named Andrew Womack and uh, started listening to your materials. There had been a pastor there that was on our staff that was kind of a pastor of the pastors that had, um, he was, you know, had been listening to you for probably, you know, 15 years plus at that time. And, and uh, was just, you know, really, really in in um instrumental in in discipling me you know through i was telling you before we got on i, I would have this i had the cassette player and i would listen to tape after tape we only had one car my wife would drive it to work she was a teacher and i would walk to the church which was probably i don't know two three miles away listening to these cassettes and just flip out the next one as soon as it was done and uh, it transformed my life. I, I really, I went from being a human doing to a human being. A lot of the things that I had 
felt or had thought, but I didn't really have language for, started coming into play. I started, you know, scripture started making sense for me. And uh, I told my wife, I, you know, I've shared this with you before, but I, I told my wife back then in probably 2002, 2003, that someday I was going to minister with Andrew Womack. Yeah, and well, at it's that coming point, to yeah, pass. <laughs> well, and yeah, I didn't, we, you know, we did, I certainly didn't know you. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it would have been like saying, I'm going to, you know, be in a Hollywood movie with this person, you know, or whatever. It was just so far from my reality at that time. But, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful the Lord's faithful. And as you know, he's, he's always good on his promises. And, and it's just a real honor that just the friendship we've developed over the years. And, and uh, now I said I've come full circle about a year and a half ago. Um, the church where I, I, we came back and planted church in my hometown. So I'm back in the same town that I, that I got ran out of uh, outside of South Bend, Indiana. And we planted a church. It was originally called Oasis. It's now called Influence Church. There's no I. It's N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E. And about a year and a half ago, the old Church of Christ building that I started in, that I got ran out of, uh, came up on the market. And we are now leasing this property. It's 30,000 oh, wow. square feet. I'm actually in my old office right wow. now that I used to have as a youth pastor. And it was it was crazy is that when we left this church, the Lord told me that I was, and I didn't know anything about words of knowledge or prophecy or anything like that, but the Lord told me that I was gonna minister in this church again someday. I thought there might be some reconciliation where they invite me back years later. And uh, that church shut down in 2007, 2008, and God just opened up a door. It's on the best corner in town. We, we've grown three or four times this year. It's just exploding. And it's been so incredible just to, uh, to be on this journey and, and uh, certainly you know, glad to, uh, to share it with you and your audience. So the person that they kicked to the curb because you had wrong <laughs> theology bought them out and now it's taken yep. over that building. Yep. That's, that's God, isn't it? It sure, <laughs> it, it, it felt kind of, uh, it, it felt a little bit, uh, I, I had to watch my heart on the first Sunday that I came yeah. back here, you know, and I, I shared the story and, <laughs> a little bit, but I, you know what, I'm humble. I always tell people that, you know, even though I had some, I call it post-traumatic church disorder. I think I coined that term that, you know, people go through these hurts in church um, I am thankful for my upbringing. I found my wife in the Church of Christ. I found my salvation in the Church of Christ. And I found a real love for Scripture in the Church of Christ. I, I don't necessarily agree with every single, you know, interpretation that they might have. Um, mm -hmm. But but we have primary we have primary doctrine in common. And uh, I believe I'm going to be in, you know, in, in heaven with probably some of these same people that might have ran me out, you know, in the past Amen. because they didn't understand fully. And so uh, I, I, you know, I, I tell the story. It's a fun story to tell, but I want people to hear my heart that, you know, I love the body of Christ and I'm very thankful for, you know, that upbringing that I had. And uh, I think the older I get, the more important uh, just being a Christian period is. And and uh, we can talk doctrines and I'm, I hold a lot of doc doctrines very strongly. Uh, I could debate them with the best of them, but you know, at the end of the day, I want people, you know, to really fall in love with Jesus and get to know him. And he's real good at working out the secondary issues. Well, you know, it's the same with me growing up in the Baptist church. They kicked me to the curb, but one, they taught me salvation. I got born again and taught yeah. me to love the word, just exactly like you're saying. Even they, they even said, if you ever find anything closer to the word of God than the Baptist church, join it. So I did. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Lucas, uh, we, we got 17 minutes before we go to a break and start taking some questions. So tell us about this Woke Jesus book. And boy, yes. this is a problem that we're dealing with. Christians, it's one thing to understand the unbelievers. They don't know any yeah. better. But Christians yeah. that are embracing all of this woke stuff, share with us what you got in that book. 
Yeah, it's 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 um it's an epidemic. It, um, wokeism has invaded virtually every denomination. Uh, the one thing I always do say about this, though, is that I, I really think that charismatics have been the most insulated against it. Um, part of that is because I think that a lot of a lot of charismatics don't always have strong theological backgrounds, and that's where wokeism has sort of you know crept its way in. And that doesn't mean it's a good thing to not have a strong theological background. I think we should all want to get stronger theologically. But but many of uh, 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 much of the sort of infiltration of wokeism has happened at an academic level. And, and so, um, you know, these mainstream denominations, the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, you know, uh, even groups like assemblies have been affected. Uh, we, we have just seen this creep in, and it's, it's been a slow process. I think that communists and Marxists are very happy to play the long game. Uh, there was a communist, you know, socialist party uh, in the United States before even the formation of the USSR. There was a push in the early 1900s to make America a, a socialist nation. Yep. Uh, thankfully, it did not happen then. And there's a new push to, for that to happen. I mean, it, there was a push in the 60s. There was a push now. And so, you know, we have to, you know, I think Reagan was right that every generation has to sort of yep. defeat socialism and communism. And, and ultimately what this is, this whole nature, it, 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 at its heart, it's deconstruction. It's all, you know, we could take this back to the garden of did God really say? And, you know, and and it's sort of second guessing the promises of God that we as people might find a way to do it better. This was the heart of the Tower of Babel, where you see, you know, people not trusting God that he was never going to flood the earth again. And it appears that they built a tower potentially to safeguard themselves against the possibility of that. Uh, it's that same level of distrust. And we're seeing that today. The difference is. There's money behind it now. There's a lot of people that are specifically funding leftists and progressive ideology within Christian movements because they know that it's going to help deteriorate, you know, Christian and Western values in America, which makes America a weaker nation. And so we have, I think, some of our political enemies that are doing that outside of the country, you know, to see this push forward. Uh, I, in my book, I detail, you know, individuals that have joined the boards of, of major Christian universities and slowly seem to be changing doctrine over time through, you know, heavy donations in these things. And then they start pulling on them to go a certain direction over time, it appears. And so, you know, I think when you start understanding the, the history of this, the process of this, it exposes everything. You know, Jesus was not a socialist. Jesus was not, you know, uh, you know, we, we hear, well, he was for open borders because he was a refugee, you know, and so we should just let everybody into the country. This is, this is antithetical to the Christian message. God created a sovereign nations. We see, you know, Romans 13 and other places, strong, you know, uh, um, evidence that God has established borders, that he oversees those things in many ways. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus was not, I mean, there's one TikTok influencer that made the case that because Jesus calls John his beloved, and because he he wore a tunic, which is a lot like a dress, he's probably you know pro LGBT oh, and maybe even trans himself. You know, that's and so terrible. It, it is, and these are these are you know so-called oftentimes Christian pastors or progressive priests and these things that are offering this. You see, you know, pastors wearing rainbow scarves and everything else. And look, this is not about. This is not about bigotry. It's not about hating certain ideologies. Of course, as believers, we're called to love everybody. But what we can't do is make scripture a choose your own adventure story. You know, you can't do that with Islam. You can't go in and say, this is really what the, you know, what the, or what the Quran says. And this is that, you know, and just start twisting all that. You, you would have people at your door real fast. 
And, and so people have really maligned the Word of God. They've twisted it. They've cut out portions. It all goes back to what was known as the historical Jesus movement, which was a movement to uh, diminish the miraculous and elevate the humanity of God, where Jesus becomes kind of a great social justice warrior rather than the Savior of the world. And the seeds that were planted there are still, you know, really producing this negative fruit today. Well, you know, I agree with everything you're saying, and I agree that all of this has been going on a long time. I think if you peel back the layers, this is just anti-Christ. It's the spirit of Antichrist yeah. that's been working. So I agree with everything you're saying, and it's been going a long time. But why is it that in the last, say, five years, mm -hmm. we have seen it just get to a proportion? I mean, it has mushroomed. What has caused yeah. this to happen and expand so much in just the last few years? Yeah, I think there's a couple things there. So, you know, first off, the seeker-sensitive movement, um, although I think the intention of a lot of people in the seeker-sensitive movement was good, they wanted to see, you know, as many people come to Jesus as possible. They did a great job of making converts and a poor job of making disciples. Mm -hmm. So it, it created sort of this perfect, what I call substrate for wrong and false ideology to be planted. Uh, that's not enough though, to create this level of heresy and false teaching, everything that we're seeing today. On top of that, um, you know, if, if you, if, you know, viewers recall uh, during the, I think it was the Obama administration, the Democratic Party sort of stood up at one of their, their party meetings and basically said, we are taking God out of the party platform because the name of God isn't inclusive enough. And there's some people here that don't believe in God, so we're getting rid of it. Well, that, they kind of stayed on that train until Donald Trump got elected. And what happened at that point is they started realizing like, oh, faith was a major deciding factor in this election. And there was a lot of Christian people that were interested in this election and got on the side of Donald Trump because they believed that, that, this, that the message coming from the conservative party was more aligned with their faith than what they were seeing on the left. And so since that moment, you've seen the left change this. You have people that, you know, uh, in the past have, you know, all sorts of quotes talking against God are now using Jesus to justify their ideology. You know, we all, this happened during COVID a ton. I mean, you know, Jesus was used to justify masking. It was used to justify the vaccine. Jesus was used to justify, you know, um, uh, bowing down to, you know, BLM. Uh, Jesus was used for all of this. He was in, so now Jesus, much like really what happened in Nazi Germany, is, has become sort of this propaganda um, uh, voice and imagery to call upon. And of course, it's not the true Jesus. It's an it's a amalgamation, a you know, twisting of history and everything else that's being presented. This is, this is exactly what happened in Germany as well. Uh, but but it, is the, it is the name of Jesus because you know, there, there's a familiarity for a lot of people in America, but sort of this, this twisted message they're bringing in through the backside of this. And those things together, plus a lot of money intentionally spent to divide churches and divide Christian organizations, I think has created kind of this firestorm of what we're seeing right now. Well, you know, one of the things that you said that kind of resonated, resonated with me is that when Donald Trump got elected, I think that the woke movement that was there already, but they love to work co uh, covertly. Yes. They don't like to be out in the open. I think they got flushed out in the open and they realized that they were going to lose everything. And so they became militant. And yes. the people you're talking about that gave money and support it, they just became more aggressive. And Christians by nature aren't that aggressive. And they <laughs> haven't been fighting yeah. back, but we're going to have to fight back or we're going to lose this nation. Yeah, look, you know, um, and, and this isn't a, 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 you know, for or against rapture ideology or anything like that or theology. It's 
But, you know, I think there's a lot of Christians out there that are going, God's going to beam me up out of here so I don't have yep. to worry about this place. But, you know, we're called in Scripture to occupy until he comes, Amen. to be a good steward with everything that we have, the resources that he's given us, and that includes our nation. Uh, look, I don't want a theocracy. I don't want the president to also be the pope of America or the, Amen. you know, the, the priest of the Christian world in America. I want uh, I want a nation that's that's won over by Christianity, that is inspired to say, uh, you know what, this this Christian message, there's something to it. And Andrew, this is something I'm looking at right now pretty closely uh, for some things I'm working on, I think, in the future, is this is the first time in 2,000 years where Christians are being vilified for their faith. Yeah. Now, when you look back, you know, I mean, even think 20, 30, 40 years ago, how did Hollywood refer to Christians? They were goody two-shoes, they were holier than thou, they were prudish, you know, they were sort of stick in the muds, they weren't any fun. That's not how Christians are being presented today. Christians mm -hmm. are being presented today as, as you know, the problem. Uh, is the problem. Yeah, and we've not seen this since Rome. In Rome, Christians were accused of being bad for the economy because so many people were leaving the idol-making business following Jesus. They were accused of of being incestuous, uh, incestuous because they called their, their spouses brothers and sisters in Christ. They were accused of being cannibals because they feasted on the body and blood of Jesus. And that was a private time for the church. They didn't allow unbelievers to come into communion. So people didn't know what they were doing in there. They thought they were really eating flesh and drinking blood. Uh, so they were accused of all sorts of things, but they eventually won over the nation. And I really believe that that's what, uh, that's where we have to go as believers. You know, there's, there's going to be temptation out there uh, for people just to get mad and just to respond. And I think that if if Christians don't really use just, I mean, it has to be God-inspired wisdom of how do we move forward from here. It's going to justify persecution against the church at, at some point and in, in America. Obviously, the church is being persecuted around the world, and to some degree it is here in America, but not at the extent that it is in places like Sudan and Nigeria and, you know, the Middle East and China and everything else. But But I think that Christians behaving poorly— uh, trying to take things into their own hands, not trusting the Lord's way, um, you know, is is uh, it really runs the risk of putting putting the church in a very difficult spot here in America that we have to defend ourselves against some of our own that responded, you know, uh, just hastily and tried to, you know, fix the problem, you know, really without that divine wisdom and divine solution. Well, when you have the spirit of Antichrist coming against the church and then part of the church, the woke church, like what you're talking about, actually validating that and saying, yes, this is the yes. way it should be, um, man, that means that there's really a relatively small segment of the body of Christ who's standing up. And I tell you, every one of us who hold to the truth are going to have to get more aggressive because um, I tell you, the ungodly are aggressive. They aren't backing down at all. We yeah. need to meet them. Yeah. Let me offer a resource if I can, Andrew. So we, we've mm -hmm. launched an initiative through our ministry, the Influence Network, uh, called the American Pastor Project. And people can go to AmericanPastorProject.org. Um, you know, we've, we've, you guys have been wonderful to uh, uh, really, you know, uh, come alongside. I know that uh, Richard, you know, has already, you know, shared this link with some of the, the followers there at Truth and, uh, Truth and Liberty. And this is a, a platform where pastors can go. There's no charge. They go there and they're signing a commitment of biblical orthodoxy, very high level, primary doctrine, no matter what your denominational background is, you should be able to sign this. It, it's sort of based, it's sort of a modernized uh, modernization of the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed uh, with some other sort of current cultural issue, issues added in. 
And then uh, it also has a commitment to stand against wokeism in your pulpit, socialism, globalism, you know, communism, wokeism, all these things that you're not going to promote those things from your pulpit and you're actually going to stand against it. Here's the cool thing that's happening is we have about 400 pastors so far around the nation that have signed this. Uh, so we're doing regular calls with these guys, really encouraging them. We just shared with them about the uh, the conference uh, next week at your place, hoping that some of them are going to come out for that. We also, um, with this, we have a um, a map where people can go. And we're, we're still populating that map. It doesn't have all the pastors in there yet, but they'll be coming, where people can go and they can see a church that's made this commitment. And so you can look to see if your pastor signed this. And if your pastor hasn't signed it, maybe it's because they haven't heard of it yet, but it's a great way to get it to basically a, a litmus test of where your pastor is to say, hey, check out this website, americapastorproject.org. And if they won't sign it, you might be in a woke church and it might be time to find someplace else to go. All right, so it's americapastorproject.org. Americanpastorproject.org. Okay, I hadn't heard about that. So well, I'll go send it. Awesome. Yeah. And we, we define pastor very broadly. So anybody that's doing Christian media, music ministry, you know, uh, um, you know, they're writing kids curriculum. It's anybody that's handling Christian doctrine is part of this. I'd love to include a, a quote from you. I got some other leaders that are going to be on the front page there. We're highlighting from different movements. And, uh, you know, Fox News picked this up on the front page of Fox Digital. We had, you know, we had 150 pastors sign it one day when that happened. It was awesome. So the, the word's getting around. We just launched this here recently, and it's been really incredible to see this movement. And, you know, we're really trying to create a database of churches across, you know, multiple denominations that, that, are, that are committed to the Word of God, committed to sort of Jesus, primary, you know, I, you know different theological, you know, topics, and really standing against sort of this false ideology today. All right, so that's AmericanPastorProject.org. Yes. And uh, hopefully my staff will put that up on the screen, and that would be a real awesome. blessing. We got all of our lines already full, and we hadn't even gotten to taking questions yet. <laughs> but you, we're going to take a break here in just a couple of uh, minutes. But 719-619-2341 is our number, and we'd love to have, have you talk. So um, anything else that you're working on? What's coming in the future for you? Yeah, so um, uh, I had a show that released on Epic TV or Epoch TV. People say it both ways. Um, so it's E-P-O-C-H TV. It's called uh, Church and State with Lucas Miles. Epoch is a paid platform. I think it's, you know, nine bucks a month or something like that. So people can go to Epoch TV. It's same that brings you, you know, uh, Epic Times news source. And uh, we've done 12 episodes on there. Uh, we're working on a second season. We'll have some announcements on what platform that's going to be on and everything else, but that's available. We have a lot of people using these shows. They're about, they're about 30 to 40 minutes a piece, um, and each one is a deep dive into a, a different cultural issue. So we cover the trans issue. We cover, uh, you know, uh, persecution against the church. We covered, you know, kind of the the, the post Roe v. Wade overturning, you know, world. Um, you know, uh, uh, CRT, all these these uh, ESG, environmental social governance. We did a lot of deep dives. And that is um, a lot of people are using these as small group material where they're watching these together in a home group or something like that and then talking about it. And uh, if you subscribe to Epoch, you get all their resources, all their other shows, and uh, you can get that one as well if you search for Church and State with Lucas Miles. Man, it sounds like you're staying busy. We're, we're trying. Yeah, we, we've got some you really cool stuff happening. You said you'd done hundreds of interviews about your yeah. book. I don't know yeah. how you do that. It's uh, you know what I I you you uh, you the Lord used you to give me a revelation, the grace of God. So that's that's how I do it. You know I've got a great team. Uh, my wife's you know highly involved. We don't have children ourselves, so this is this is our life's calling. 
And, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to leave it all out on the field here. So one of the callers has asked uh, for more information about your church right before we go yeah. to the break. Give them information yeah, about what absolutely. the name of your so, church is and how to get it be a part yeah, of. So we're in Granger, Indiana. It's G-R-A-N-G-E-R. Um, and it's called Influence Church. There's no I at the start. It's just capital N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E, Influence Church. Uh, I'm here probably, uh, I'm here every Sunday. I'm not on the road someplace, but probably about, you know, uh, three times a month I'm speaking. we got some other great team members here, and we are a church that, are, that, that we're not afraid uh, to talk about these issues, you know, really from the pulpit. Uh, we do a lot of in-depth, verse-by-verse teaching. Uh, we are, we're charismatic. I've been deeply impacted by this ministry, and so if you, if you like Truth and Liberty, I think you'll enjoy uh, Influence Church. Okay, that's good. Let's take a break, and we'll come right back on the other side of the break and start taking some calls with Lucas Miles. Awesome. It's not enough to know what God's will is, but you have to learn how to do things God's way. Now, because of the new man on the inside of me, because of the cross, I can daily deny self. And if you don't learn to do that, you're not going to fulfill all God's will for your life. You know, you don't find the beginning of God until you get to the end of yourself. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. All right, we're back from our break. And again, we've got uh, full lines right now, but as we take calls, we would love to have you call in and be a part of this at 719-619-2341. And my guest is Lucas Miles. He pastors in Granger, Indiana, and he's written some books and they are really beginning to start having an impact. And uh, I mean, he's getting noticed by all of the major networks and things, and God's just blessed him and given him a platform Lucas used to come to my meetings when I'd go to Chicago, and we visited up in my room, what, at least two times, I can think, yeah. maybe more. Yep. And he's just been a blessing, and so we've known each other a long time. And he's going to be one of our speakers next week at our Truth and Liberty Conference. And uh, so Lucas is going to be there, Janet Porter, uh, Chad Conley, Alex McFarland, David Barton, Mohammed Faridi. I tell you, it's going to be a great, great time. So remember, that's uh, the 7th through the 9th uh, here in Woodland Park. So let's go to the phones now. We got Mitchell from Tennessee. And Mitchell, you're on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Welcome. Good afternoon, Brother Miles and Brother Andrew. I'm blessed today. Hope you all are all as well. Absolutely. Me too, no complaints at all. No, sir. You know, um, and I never talk to you about this, Andrew, and I, st I stay away from this chat group where there's bad people. I, I go on some that are better, but I wanted to ask you, though, there's a guy 
that I used to hang around and talk to shut the doors two years ago. I opened them back up in 2017. He claimed he got my mom's information, my dad's information, which he made mistakes and didn't get. But he's narcissistic and everything, Does smokes drugs, kush. My question to you is, how come people like that, that do things like go after people's information, go after people's socials like he talks about doing, getting people to do things for him, how come some people get quick? How come some people get caught and people like him keep getting away with this? Why is this? I don't have a definitive answer. Maybe my uh, Lucas will be able to give a better answer. But you know what? Most people think that why does God let things happen? God gave control over this earth to us, and we're the ones that blew it. And God has limited his intervention in this earth by his own integrity. When he says, you have dominion, you rule, you run things, that means that he took him out of direct control. God only controls what's going on in this earth to the degree that someone yields to him and allows him to flow through them. And so, Mitchell, one of the reasons this stuff is happening is because the body of Christ is not taking the stand and not enforcing it, and we have allowed ungodliness to reach uh, epidemic proportions. As to why some people get caught and others don't, uh, I think some of it is just natural things. It depends on the people that are around them. But uh, Satan has a, a uh, reason or a motivation to keep people like the one you're talking about uh, still functioning because they are very good tools of his. So I think he may insulate them and protect them, whereas other people just get caught. What have you got to say, Lucas? Yeah, so a couple couple things that come to mind. I mean, you know, just reinforcing what you said. The, the Book of Psalms says the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He's given to man. Um, you know, we have we have dominion on on planet Earth to really. And what that means is, you know, simply put, we're we're made, our choices impact you know other people's reality uh, because God's given us free will. Other people have the free will to do wrong things, to break the law, etc. Uh, the Bible also says there's a way to prosper that's not of God. And we see a lot of people do that, that they are prospering. And in this life, it's easy to look at that and go, why are they getting, you know, how are they getting away with that? Doesn't God care? And this is where I, this is, you know, kind of bringing us back to our conversation before. This is actually one of the issues of wokeism is that that wokeism is is driven by, I think, a, a framework that says that I don't trust God to bring about justice on planet Earth, so I have to demand it myself through mob rule or through you know some sort of force or something like that. And ultimately, there's going to come a day where true justice is going to be issued, where God is going to you know call the chips due. We are in a time of grace, you know that He is He is temporarily you know overlooking the offenses of mankind, but nobody gets away with anything. Uh, it right. just it's just whether or not they see you know the punishment of the wicked here in this life. Or, or the next, and, and I believe the reason for that is because God wants everybody to be saved. He wants all people to come to a knowledge of the truth, so he in his long suffering is waiting as long as possible uh, to give people a chance to come to him, and we need to pray for people like this, but we also need to make sure we're protecting ourselves, you know, so that, that you know, these things are not happening to us or those we care about. Yeah, if the Lord was just a judge, every person that stepped out of line, we wouldn't have ever had the Apostle Paul because he was part of stoning Stephen. And yeah. so God gives a lot of mercies in hopes that those people will respond. 
Also, Mitchell, let me say that Psalms chapter 73 is addressing this exact thing that you're talking about. The writer of Psalms says, why do the ungodly, they don't have any bounds in their death and they prosper and it seems like they don't have the same trouble that the righteous do. And the first half of that Psalm is all talking about how unfair it looks. But then it says, then I went into the house of God. Then I saw that their last end, like what my, uh, Lucas was saying, is that ultimately they, there's not anybody getting by with anything. They will be held into account. And he finally came back around to the fact that God's going to right every wrong. There's going to be nothing that has ever been done wrong that doesn't get set right. We may not see it in this life because of the long suffering of the Lord, but this isn't all that there is. So anyway, I hope that helps you, Mitchell. Let's go to Elise. And Elise, you are in Florida and you're on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show with Lucas Miles and Andrew. I, uh, Elise, I can't, I can't understand you. I'm not sure why. You may have your phone on speakerphone or yeah. something like that, but would you uh, please try again? Take it off of speakerphone and okay. see if we can hear you. My name is Elise Golden, and I. All right, I can hear you now. I know when Jesus healed people, when He prayed for people, everybody was healed, but some people do not get healed, and I want to know the reason why. Well, there's multiple reasons why. There's a lot of things. The scripture says that if you got unforgiveness in your heart, that that's going to hinder things. Uh, man, there's just a million things. And even Jesus didn't heal everyone. Now, it does say in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And there's 14 instances that I've isolated in the New Testament where Jesus healed everyone. But also in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, it says Jesus could do no mighty work because of their unbelief. It wasn't he wouldn't do it. He couldn't do it because of their unbelief. And so it takes some faith on the person's part who's receiving to be healed. And there's just multiple things going on. People, I could give you a hundred explanations right here, but that would take up two or three of these programs. But anyway, it's never God who fails. It's us that fail to tap into it. And it's not God who chooses to heal one and chooses not to heal another. What do you say, Lucas? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I think you handled that very well. Um, and, you know, I'd encourage people to, to head over to, you know, uh, AWMI, you know, website to really grab some more resources on healing, et cetera, because I know you've dealt with that in other places. But I would say that I think it's really important that in that, uh, you know, while you're in that, if you're in a season like that where you're trying to work through something, you're not seeing the full manifestation, that you don't get into personal condemnation or if there's somebody else in your life that you don't have condemnation for them that they're not seeing the manifestation. Our, our, the, 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 the true prize that we're after is Jesus. It's not our healing. And I want to get healed as much as the next person. I believe for that in my life. I speak that over my life. I pray for that over my life. But regardless of what manifestation I see or don't see, that doesn't dictate what my faith is. My call is to have faith in Jesus and not to, to really, you know, the moment we start doubting the manifestation side of it, that's the moment we start getting out of faith. And so just hanging on, believing the Lord, you know, you look at the end of Hebrews 11, you see at the start of Hebrews 11, all these people that did all these, you know, just miraculous things by faith. And you see the second half of Hebrews 11 are all these people that died. They were cut in half and, you know, went about destitute and broken. And, you know, we had all this loss that takes place. And what does it say at the end? It says that together with us, that it's enduring faith that actually gains approval. And I think that just holding on, believing regardless, finding joy you know, regardless of how that's playing out in your life, but never stop knowing that God is good, 
that he, you know, at the cross, he provided for your healing and, you know, continue to speak over that. And it's, it, I know it's a process sometimes, but, but I think that's really important. Yeah, John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And it's only the truth you know that sets you free. And yeah. God's word is truth, John 17, 17. And ultimately it's because people just don't have the knowledge or the revelation or either they're rejecting the revelation. And you could compare it to like electricity. You could say, why didn't Abraham have electricity? God created it. It was, God would have willed for him to have it. It was the fact he didn't know about it. That didn't make him unrighteous or a bad person. There's people that don't know how healing works. And I've got a lot of teaching. I probably got 20, 30 hours of teaching on this very thing. And Elise, you could go to our phone center, 635, 719-635-1111. Uh, and we have over 200,000 hours of free material on my website, and they could direct you towards things that would answer your question directly. So hopefully that'll help. So let's go to Mark in Arizona. And Mark, you're the one who asked about more information on Lucas's church, and uh, he gave you the location and the name of it. Is there anything else you want to know about it? Hi. Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm in Tucson, Arizona. I just, I have family in South Bend. I'm wondering how close is Granger to South Bend, Indiana? Yeah, no, South, but we're, we're sort of a bedroom community of South Bend. So it's a, it's a pretty easy commute. You know, I could, I could be downtown South Bend in about 15 minutes from where I am right now. So not far at all. Uh, we also live stream, you know, so our services are on, on Facebook, on our app. Uh, that you can get in the app store as well as our website. So if they want to, you know, check us out that way first. But we'd we'd love to have them come. If they mention you to, you know, one of our connection teams, I'll make sure and give them a heads up that uh, that somebody was watching and had family in Arizona. That's Amen, great, brother. Thank you, and God bless you for all you're doing. I thank you. Uh, yep, absolutely. Thank you for the call, Mark. We do have now two lines open: seven one nine six one nine two three four one, and uh, we'd welcome you to call, and we'll put you on the air. So let's go to Curry. Curry is a partner with us. Thank you very much, Curry. And you're from California. You're on Truth and Liberty. Correct. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you fine. Okay, great. My question was, you uh, said something about not going to a doctor. And I wanted to know, what, how do you start off? How do you get to that level? And what is the regiment you do to do that? Does that make sense? Well, yeah, the best thing I could offer you is my teaching. And I have uh, my book that kind of is the general thing that teaches this is uh, it's God's will uh, for you to be well. At God Wants You Well is the title of the book. And it's a uh, complete teaching. And then I have a teaching entitled You've Already Got It that'll show you you aren't waiting on God to heal you. And then I've got teaching on uh, it's the grace of God. One of the things that holds people back is that they think they have to be holy enough. God doesn't heal you because you're good enough. It's because of what Jesus did. And I probably have 20 or 30 different series that would affect your healing. And uh, again, you can go to my 24-hour uh, a day, seven days a week phone line, and you can call 719-635-1111, and they would give you all of that material. But I don't go to the doctor. And I had something happen last year. I won't tell you what it is because I don't want to get people's unbelief coming at me. But I hurt myself. And I can guarantee you I know other people that have had things happen, and they would have gone to the doctor, and they would have had major surgery 
AND I JUST CHOSE TO BELIEVE GOD, AND I'M BACK 100% BETTER THAN I WAS A YEAR AGO, AND uh, I JUST KNOW HOW TO BELIEVE GOD. NOW, THAT'S NOT A CONDEMNATION TO ANYBODY THAT DOESN'T KNOW THAT. IT WOULD BE BETTER FOR YOU TO GO TO THE DOCTOR THAN TO DIE BECAUSE YOU'RE SO STUBBORN AND THINK I OUGHT TO BE STRONGER THAN THIS. BUT I'M JUST SAYING THAT uh, IT DIDN'T COME EASILY. It's, I'VE BEEN 55 YEARS SEEKING GOD IN THIS AREA, AND I'VE SEEN MY SON RAISED FROM THE DEAD, MY WIFE RAISED FROM THE DEAD, AND YOU CAN GET TO A PLACE WHERE YOU WALK IN DIVINE HEALTH AND DON'T HAVE TO ALWAYS GO AFTER GETTING HEALED AFTER YOU GET SICK. YOU GOT ANYTHING TO ADD TO THAT, CURRY? I mean, Curry. I was Curry's the one called in. <laughs> Lucas, he can have you got anything to add? <laughs> no, I, look, I, I've been I've been blessed, you know, just uh, sitting under your ministry for so long, and and just the testimony that you have, you know, I, I've personally, you know, I've I've had health issues that I've dealt with over the years, and and I would just say this, and and I think I probably first heard this from you, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so hopefully I get this right, is that, you know, look, if you if you think you need to go to the doctor, you probably do. That's right. And 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 so you know this isn't about sitting there going, well, I probably should go to the doctor, but I'm going to stay home in faith. You know, it's it's you're not going to the doctor personally because you don't feel that you need to go to the doctor. That's right. You know, you trust the Lord for it, and and you know, it, and again, you're, I I I think that you know, I, it's easy to make this about a formula make mm -hmm. this about some sort of principle that you can only do this and and you you know if you do anything else it's it's not a faith um you know i know people that take medicine in the morning and they say lord thank you that this medicine is going to do exactly what it's designed to do and not bring about anything bad in my life no negative side effects and they're doing that in faith and i don't believe that there's any condemnation for that you know we're all at different places um and and i think that you know the, the important thing is that we we're starting someplace in believing god more today than we did yesterday and i think that if you're looking for a formula that's ultimately the formula as well said well said and so anyway it's a process uh you know it's like running a marathon god made each one of us that we could run a marathon but you probably can't do it today unless you yeah. train unless you uh, build up to it. And it's the same thing. God has made it so that we can be in a place where no sickness will come nigh our dwelling is what the promise is in Psalms chapter 91. So you have that potential, Curry, but you may not be at that place right now. So it's a process. Get hold of the Word of God. Get hold of this teaching and begin the process of renewing your mind. And eventually you'll get to where you can run that marathon. Amen. So we've got a couple of lines open now, 719-619-2341, and we'd love to have you on. Let's go to Ray, and you're also a partner. Thank you very much. You're from Virginia, and you're on with Lucas and Andrew. Ray, are you there? I don't hear you. So, Ray, if you're there and if you can hear me, you need to do something different. <laughs> All right, let's go to John in Louisiana. And uh, Ray, if you're there, uh, hopefully you'll get back on. But John, you're from Louisiana, and you had a question for us. You're on Truth and Liberty. Yes, sir. Hello, sir. Yes, sir. The question is, I do understand the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. My question is this. For a person with mistaken identity, a girl that now calls himself a boy, can you go to that person and in the name of Jesus cast that demon out and that person be normal? Absolutely, with some qualifications. I would say this, you can't cast a demon out 
against the person's will with very few exceptions. If the, like for instance, Paul had a girl that was demon possessed who was merchandising things and the people over her and he let her go for a long time, but eventually he, it was hindering the gospel and he cast the demon out apparently against her will. But that is an exception. That is in a sense judgment. And once God intervenes in a person's heart in judgment, then they don't have that free will anymore. So I think that that is very rare that you would cast a demon out against a person's will. So typically you have to have some cooperation. Even the man in the Bible, Luke chapter five, I think it is a person who is demon possessed, had a legion of demons. He ran and fell at the feet of Jesus and worshiped him. Now he didn't have enough faith or enough freedom to get free, but I guarantee you those weren't demons that were worshiping Jesus. That man called out to Jesus and therefore Jesus cast the demons out of him. But Jesus himself said, if you cast the demons out and the person doesn't fill their house and protect it, well, then those demons will come back and bring seven more worse than themselves. So you really have to have the cooperation of the person that you're casting the demon out. As to the part of the question that says, would they be normal? Absolutely. Uh, man, I could say a lot about this, but you know, there are some people that get trapped in transgenderism because they've been bullied into it, shamed into it and things like this. And they may not have really embraced it, but they are taking the hormone blockers or even surgery. And it's never really been in their heart. And so that might be flesh. You can't cast flesh out of people, but a person who has just uh, embraced the devil and is promoting it, and I mean, they are demon possessed. Yes, you can cast the demon out of them and they can become normal instantly. So that would be my answer. What you got, Lucas? Yeah, no, lots of things. So um, we actually just recently partnered with Walt Heyer, who is a you know kind of well-known detransitioner. He's 83 years old. Between the ages of 42 and 50, he lived as a quote-unquote transgender woman. Um, he's written seven books about his his life and and really helping people. He's got a website that he launched called SexChangeRegret.org. Uh, we've just partnered with him. We've actually adopted him into our ministry. So now this is underneath our umbrella. We're taking on this issue head on. Um, and, uh, you know, for years, it's just been him responding to people who have gone through these sex change operations that find regret and they're trying to figure out how to put their life back together again. And I think what you said is right. Look, not every case of transgenderism or, you know, somebody who's, you know, part of, you know, LGBT community is because that they are possessed or they have some sort of, a, you know, demonic oppression over their life. Certainly there's a doctrine of demons that's been believed you know, here, this is this is against God, all of those things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that there is, you know, a, a spirit living on the inside of them that it, in every instance. Sometimes it's because of trauma. Sometimes it's because of what you said, they're bullied into it. It's peer pressure. You know, this is a fad, I think, for a lot of younger kids where they're experimenting with these things. Now, if you stay in rebellious, you know, lifestyle long enough, you're opening yourself to all sorts yeah. of demonic activity. And so certainly there are a percentage of people that have, you know, opened themselves up to that. But I would say that the average Christian out there, and this would be my caution, I don't want to weaponize Christians to just go around and every time they see somebody who's transgender, you know, to, to wave a spiritual wand over them and try to cast something out. You know, I think it's very important, you know, if I'm dealing with something that's demonic, I want to see, con you know, and I say this is spiritually speaking, I want to see evidence 
uh, where I see some sort of manifestation of that spirit that, or there's a word of knowledge about it or something that the Lord's really directing me to pray in that direction. Otherwise, I'm starting with, you know, looking at the person a little bit more holistically, trying to teach them, trying to instruct them, trying to love them, trying to minister to them. And, and if some sort of demonic manifestation shows itself, that's going to change how I minister at that moment. Um, but I think it's important that we just don't, you know, uh, you know, you know, kind of uh, jump out there and, you know, just start offending people and calling everybody demonized because they they're they're dealing with this this ideology. And so, you know, um, I, I think that your heart, you know, sounds like it's in the right place. And certainly, if if there's situations where you're confident that that this is a demonic oppression here, pray for that. And I believe Amen. that God can deliver them, and you can see your you know the believer's authority really work in their life and see that demon leave. And I got I got stories after story after story and working with Walt and other people that their lives have been transformed in a moment, you know, through that. Other people, it's because of trauma. They were abused as a kid. They they went through some sort of major rejection. They had something else going on in their life. And, at the, and it's not that they don't need prayer. It's not that they don't need to be taught how to resist the devil and those things. Of course they do. But oftentimes they need built back up. They need to know that there's a God out there that loves them, uh, that, that is no longer counting their sins against them, that they can turn to, that he will, that he will forgive them, and that they can find a new life in Christ. You know? and, and I think that as you start helping people you know, really recover from that trauma, uh, you're going to start seeing people you know, uh, really in, in a place to where their heart is receptive to what God can do in their life. Amen. I've heard that Walt. I've seen a couple of videos of him and he's really outspoken. And I mean, he was deep into that and he's yeah. a great, he's a great trophy. I, of hey, I, I'll tell you what, we've got the direct route. So you want me to bring him on sometime? I'd love to have him on and, well, and share with you and everything. He's incredible. So yeah. When we get through with this, you make sure you contact Richard Harris and tell I'll him that we'd like to have Walt on. I'd love to have him on here because one of the things that the transgender are saying is that you can't reverse this and you can't yeah. detransition and he's proven that that is totally yep, absolutely very good so thanks john for your call let's go to velma in texas and you're on truth and liberty live call-in program hi andrew hello i have a question on i'm going to go back to authority also um mm -hmm. i have a brother that tried to incapacitate a brother and sister try to incapacitate my mother five six years ago and took her to court, stole her money. Of course, I uh, took up for my mother, and I have been in court all these years and rebuking. God gave me a dream, even which attorney to pick. She ended up stealing from me over 200000 and I'm still in court even though I won after trial. And I'm wondering how do I use this authority in, you know, in Christ to rebuke this because, I mean, the first person that was helping my brother, he died of a heart attack while driving. The second attorney, he died of a heart attack. My sister that was helping, she, after she filed a lawsuit on my mother, three months later, she was filled with tumors and died 87 days after my mother. Well, Velma, let me say this. It seems like this could go on and on. Let me just say that uh, you need to get some person who is a spiritual person to deal with you personally in your situation. Yeah. Uh, it sounds complicated, and I'm not going to be able to give you a, a real good answer. But let me say that you have authority over demons. You don't have authority over people. God did not give us authority over people. You can't just rebuke people and make them do things. And because of that, Lucas and I 
talked about this with an earlier caller that, uh, you know, things don't always work out the way they should because people have a choice. And if they choose to go with the devil, you can't just take authority and make people do things. But you can take authority over the devil and you can diminish his influence and stuff like that. But uh, sounds like you may be in a situation where you have to use the legal system to get some things done. Uh, I would say this, if it, I don't know the dynamics to what you're talking about, but if somebody was suing me, now if it's your mother, I'd probably defend her quicker than I'd defend myself. But if it was me that they were fighting about, I'd just let them treat me badly and let it go. I wouldn't, it's not worth the trauma that you go through. But again, that's not a very good answer because I don't know your situation. So I'd encourage you to go to somebody that you could share your situation with from a mature Christian standpoint and get them to give you specifics for your situation. You got anything to add to that, Lucas? I, I mean, I, I think, you know, I would agree with you. I, there's probably a lot of nuances here that, you know, I don't want to give specifics on, but just the verse that came to mind, you know, is where, uh, you know, Proverbs that, that um, uh, that a good name is worth more than silver or gold. And, and I think that, you know, that principle guides me in a lot of situations that, that sometimes it's better to take a loss uh, than it is to, you know, you know, lose your stress and lose your peace and, and get in all these situations. And, and look, there's also times to fight. So this is where really, you know, sitting down with some people, you know, in your community that, that you can share all the details with and walk through this, I think it's gonna be important. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that you can't go to court, but man, you're going to put yourself through a lot of problems. And you said you've already lost $200,000. And so it's already cost you a lot. You just need to get somebody that can get in your situation and give you godly advice. And I can't do that over the phone. So I pray for you, Velma, and I believe that God's going to give you wisdom and show you exactly what to do. James 1 yeah. says, if you lack wisdom, just ask of God and he will show you, show you exactly what to do. So God bless you. Let's see if we can squeeze Rachel in from Georgia. This wouldn't happen to be my niece, Rachel, is it? <laughs> it does. Hi. It does. I figured it was you. How are you, Rachel? <laughs> oh, I'm doing so well. How are you doing? I'm blessed. I tell you what, if you can hold on, Rachel, let's uh, go to a break and we'll be back in 90 seconds. Will that be okay? That's awesome. All right, so let's go to a break. We're going to advertise uh, just a few things. And we do have a couple of lines open at 719-619-2341. I've got Lucas Miles is my guest. And I tell you, he's a blessing. And we'd be glad to talk to you and see if we can help uh, answer your questions anyway. So let's go to this break and we'll be right back on the other side of the break. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. 
Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Okay, we're back from the break. We have one line open, 719-635-2341. We'd love to have you call. Lucas Miles is my guest. And we just happen to have my niece, Rachel Kuntz, on the air. And she is a great woman of God. And God is using her in big ways uh, to make an impact on our culture. So, Rachel, welcome to Truth and Liberty. Oh, hello. How are you doing? I'm blessed. Good. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hey, Lucas. Hey, Rachel. How's it going? Oh, it's going so well. I was wondering, what would you guys say, and would you speak into church leadership? Um, coming up on this 2024 election season, all the drama is kicking up again. <laughs> Wokeism is rearing its head, and people are wearing masks and talking about vaccinations. We have our first uh, group of people around here that have COVID again after not having it for forever. But here we go, you know, headed into um, just an election season. Things are kicking up again. So my, I'm wondering, uh, churches that might not have led well through it last time just because it was new and terrifying, yeah. what would you say to them this time around now that we've gone through it? And, and they know something's up, but they're just not accustomed to speaking into it. Yep. Well, I would say that uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, <laughs> shame on me. And I gave in to, you know, some of the restrictions for about 30 days because President Trump asked us, you know, to flatten the curve for two weeks. But boy, after I saw that this, there was no end to this. We were giving mm -hmm. away our authority over ourselves. I sued the governor twice. Here in Colorado, he sued me twice, and eventually we won. But, you know, now we have different knowledge. We have a different perspective than we did back in 2020. And I, I just read something this last week about this same issue, Rachel, where they were saying that they might impose mask mandates again. And they are saying that those masks, even if you get the one that is supposed to actually protect you, they said that, that wearing a mask is like putting up a chain link fence and trying to keep mosquitoes out. All of those things can get through those masks. But if you use the mask, I think it's the one that's something 90. That actually, yeah, and if it actually present, prevents the infection from coming in, that you increase the toxic uh, exhale things, the uh, carbon dioxide, and it causes all kinds of problems, and it causes more problems. And then when you compare that to the fact that COVID-19 only had one or two percent of the people that it was anything serious with them, the vast majority of people, it's less than a cold, I would say that that is absolutely ridiculous, and I will not comply with any restrictions on yeah. wearing a mask this time, and uh, I'll fight it harder than I did before. What would you do, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of did the same thing. The first couple of weeks we were making, I mean, we had people making masks, dropping them off to the hospitals. We were trying to do all the things to, you know, the church is going to step up and we're going to do our job here. And and then I think we, we went to live stream only at our church for about three weeks, maybe four at the most. 
And uh, and then I started going, wait a minute, this something something doesn't smell right here, you know. And so we came back, we opened up for live services. I told, and I, you know, we're in Indiana. It's uh, we have a triple majority red state, but our governor um, is is uh, you know he's he's done okay, um, but he's he's no you know he's no super you know conservative governor. He he really he's a Republican, but you know. Um, uh, you know, uh, got soft on a lot of issues, I think. Uh, but he did offer that churches were essential. So it left the choice to us about whether or not we could stay open. Uh, so we prevented, you know, having that prevented us having lawsuits and those things. But look, what I found is that most Christians have never developed what I would call a theology of body that would give them the the tools spiritually, intellectually, et cetera, to be able to have answers in these situations. You know, you look, I mean, how many Christians were going, I need a religious exemption so I don't get a vaccine. And I would, you know, they would come to me for that. And I would say, well, what's your religious objection to it? Well, I don't know. I just don't want to take it. And I understand that. But look, there are there are scriptural principles that you can take here. Uh, you know, we God created an ordered system. And I talk about this in my book, Woke Jesus, is that that when you there's a thing called sphere sovereignty. And it's usually the Calvinistic church that talks about this the most, but I'm going to borrow this from them because I think it, it's important. And, and that is sphere sovereignty is essentially this, that God gave realms of authority to um, different individuals based upon the, the, the thing that they govern. He gave rulership to kings and, you know, uh, presidents over nations. He gave authority to pastors and elders over churches. He gave authority to husbands and wives over their family. Uh, you know, and so there's authority there that we see that is that is dispersed by God that is in place. Anytime that the government usurps the 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 person who has actually been given dominion over that particular thing, if it's telling the pastor how to govern their churches, we're seeing that in Kenya right now, where the churches actually come in and started controlling uh, ordinations. We're we're doing some work there to try to speak out against that, writing letters to their their politicians. Um, anytime the government tries to come in and take away a child from a parent because they disagree with the parent's ideology, because you know they're they're trying to prevent their kid from becoming, you know, uh, getting you know sucked into the transgender movement or something like that, the government is is really usurping authority, and it is it is anti God system, and we have a theological duty at that moment to speak out against that, to stand up for the rights that we have, and that is a violation of our religious freedoms that we have when you believe in this, and so we need pastors. This is why pastors going well i just can't talk about this because it's political no this is this is the theological first and foremost so teach the theology of it and the people will be equipped on how to handle the political side of it and and i think that you know uh this is why i push people back to if, if you weren't watching earlier our american pastor project rachel i know you're familiar with it already um you know it's so important that pastors get equipped they know what their rights are. They know what they can say so they can stand strong because you're right. This is this is not going away. 2024 is right around the corner. And uh, I'm sure the enemy and, and uh, all sorts of enemies of the state got all sorts of things brewing, you know, really to bring against God's people. Yeah. And I would encourage people to go check out a movie called Died Suddenly. And it's about the vaccination and how many people have died. There are so many people dying that they can't even bury them all. They are having to put people on ice because they can't get to them. And I tell you, the vaccine has killed a lot of people. It killed more people than it helped. I really believe that. So Rachel, I love you. You are a blessing. You're just doing a great <laughs> job. You want to tell people how they could get hold of your ministry there and Georgia, if they want to contact you? 
Oh, absolutely. I love you too, Uncle Andy. I'm a, I'm a fan. You are a definite hero. Thank you for everything that you do. <laughs> well, you're welcome. You know what? We're not fully up and running just yet, um, so I can't give the information out, but, but thank you. Well, you, you missed a great opportunity. Oh. <laughs> well, do we have a, well, what's a good website? Eventually, maybe this week, maybe. <laughs> well, Rachel, we love you. Thank you for your call, and I'll see you soon. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Bye, Rachel. Goodbye. All right, let's go to Christina. You're a partner. You're from Louisiana, and you're on Truth and Liberty live call in with Lucas and Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, um, um, I well, heard a while ago Lucas mentioned possible persecution. I heard a teaching from an author um, that stated the founding fathers or some of the founding fathers were Masons, that they put in terminology bombs, he called them, into the Constitution that would protect religion, quote-unquote, but possibly not Christianity. I think that that is... I think that is completely wrong, and here's the reason why. I've actually asked that exact question, or not, you know, in different words, to David and Tim Barton, and George Washington was a Mason. A number of the Founding Fathers were Masons, but they explained that back during the time that the American Revolution was founded, Masonry was not what it is today. And it morphed into this occultish type of thing, so much so that in the mid-1800s, they actually passed laws against Masonry, and they changed it. And today, again, the Masons are not as they were during those 1800s where it got into a lot of occultish things, but it was actually something similar to like a Rotary Club or a Lions Club would have been today, and it wasn't the... Uh, occult thing it was. So part of the problem that people have, they go back and find that, yes, masonry did do some bad things, but it wasn't the masonry of George Washington. The U.S. actually outlawed that and quit that, and the masons of today, again, are not the same as those early masons in the 1800s. So, Christina, I, I can understand why a person would come to some of those conclusions, but I think that those are wrong conclusions. I think that when they talk about Religion, like for instance, um, John Adams, you know, said that uh, uh, democracy is wholly unfit for anybody but a moral and religious yeah. person. That's not talking about some kind of a bomb, as you were describing it, that has uh, connotations not ascribed to Christianity, but to these other things. It, it, the wordings were different back then from what people are saying today. You got anything on that, Lucas? Yeah, I, I think there's, look, there's overwhelming evidence. And if I were, you know, if I were Rick Green or David Barton, I could spit this stuff out in, in yeah. memory. But I mean, there there is overwhelming evidence that that the founders were deeply influenced by Christianity, um, that they held to that, that they believed that that's the only way that a free society could operate is with the Christian faith. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was actually a religious test that people had to take Absolutely. at one time to be to immigrate into the country, and that specifically was a test to demonstrate that they were Christians, that they that they were you know that they that they understood you know the basic tenets of the Christian faith. Um, so much of our constitution is is you know really directly impacted uh, through uh, the Old Testament law, through New Testament teachings. You know this is this is undeniable, and so there's people. To, this is all part of this this um, you know revisionist history where people are trying to you know get you to doubt, get you, if they can disconnect America from its Christian roots, 
then they can disconnect America now from its Christian values. And that's really the goal. And so I think it's important that we, you know, you do your own homework on this. There's great resources from, you know, I mentioned Rick Green, David Barton and others that have really dove into this. And of course, this program is dealing with these issues on a regular basis. And so tune in regularly. Yeah, I agree. And if you go back, every single uh, colony had requirements that you had to be a professing Christian to hold yeah. any type of uh, office. And yep. so I guarantee you, this was founded as a Christian nation and you can go in, they, people nitpick things. And I've heard them say that Thomas Jefferson had an edited Bible and he put this out for the Indians. And it's true because you know what he did? He printed only the words of Jesus, the words that we have in red. And he said that because the Indians wouldn't understand all of the other things. And so he just had the words of Jesus. But people have taken that truth and have said, see, Thomas Jefferson didn't even believe in the whole Bible. That's not it at all. Yeah. And so you got to go back. I would recommend David and Tim Barton, uh, Bill Federer. Those guys yeah, are just excellent on that. And you need to go back to that, Christina. I think that yeah. the people that you're listening to are making a wrong point. Yeah. So let's go to Gail. She's a partner in Michigan. You're on Truth and Liberty with Lucas and Andrew. Hi. Hello. First of all, thank you. You're welcome. All your teachings. I had a few ouch moments, but you, you, you I just thank you for what you do. But my question was, how much authority does a parent have if the children are adults and, and they are born again, but not renewing, you know, like, well, I guess like I kind of do on a daily basis. How much authority do we have in helping them when they're being attacked by uh, foul spirit, especially the spirit of fear? Well, Gail, you've hit on a point that I think is a major problem, and that yeah. is that parents try and still have total authority over their children when they become adults, and you don't. The last act of a, a parent when a child leaves home, you need to cut the umbilical cord, and you need to say, I love you, I'll always be here for you, but I am like your neighbor to you. I am no longer your spiritual authority. You need to cut those people loose. Now, if you have a great relationship with your children, they can voluntarily submit back to you and you can have input into their life, but it's really dependent upon how much uh, control, authority, influence they give you as adults. You as a parent don't have authority over your children once they leave home. They're supposed to leave their father and mother and cleave unto their mate. And this is one of the big problems that causes problems in marriages because parents don't let go. Lucas? Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And look, even as a pastor, I don't have authority over people's lives um, that are even showing up at my church. Now, of course, if somebody's causing a problem, you know, we can say, look, you're, you know, you, you just caused a fight or something like that. And, and this, this is, you need to step away. Um, you know, we have authority over our building but I don't have authority over that person's heart or their life or their decisions. And I think it's the same for parents. I mean, look, this is epidemic. I mean, it is, I, I hear from people all the time, especially because the work we're doing, you know, really in, in sort of the trans issue, as well as, you know, in wokeism from people, a lot of times it's boomers who their, their adult children have sort of gone rogue or maybe their millennial children have gone rogue and they've, they've adopt, you know, they've, you know, really drifted off into this dark waters of progressive ideology. And, and I think, you know, and I have, I have a, a, some dear friends that they have a very famous child 
that I, I'll, they'll remain nameless, but I've watched them love this child who's an adult, who's about my age, um, uh, despite the fact that they've been in rebellion, they've gone their own way, they've spoken out against God, sometimes very publicly, uh, and they've, they've loved their child through these moments. And, and they have a good relationship with their child. They speak very honestly about what they feel, what they think. I think that their their child respects them for being honest about their opinion. It's not it's not weird. It's not. Uh, and look, you can't force somebody. And this is long suffering. You know, think about how many people the Lord is up there going. You know what? I mean, the, you know, God, God, if he was a weak God, could call in right now to this show and say, hey, guys, I got <laughs> I got, you know, seven, you know, billion kids out there that are all going the wrong way. And what do I do? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and look, I'm not trying to make light of this issue, but it's this is a real thing. And, and the long suffering of God is playing the long game that you are loving them for the long haul, even when it's hard, even when you're watching them make bad decisions, wanting just to come in there and you know usurp control and tell them what to do and all these sort of things. I have a rule that I've adopted in my life here in the last couple of years. I didn't, I didn't hold to this when I was younger and it's, it, I wish I would have. Uh, I probably would have saved a lot of relationships in my life of, of friends and church members and those things early on in ministry. And that is, never answer a question people aren't asking. And that has, in recent years, saved me so much heartache. And if your child is not asking questions, the best thing you can do is give them a reason to ask questions. And that is live such a life that they go, I want what she's having. And, and that they start asking about it. But if you try to, you know, you can put new hints out there, you can go fishing every now and then and put some feelers out there. But, you know, if every time you bring up a subject, it's World War III, you know, on your relationship, chances are you need to back off for a time, just demonstrate that you love them as hard as that is. Don't address the rebellion. Love them. Don't treat them as you would a believer. Don't offer to pray for them all the time. Don't do all the things. Don't shower them with all the gifts, all the stuff. But just love them. Be there, you know, as, as that sort of good Christian neighbor, you know, for them in their life until they have a heart change and they come back and want to see that. My guess is that will save your relationship in the long run. One of the biggest mistakes I see Christian parents make is that their child is on drugs or, or something, always in and out of jail, and they bail them out every time they help them. Our <laughs> house is all their habit. Yeah, and you yeah. become an enabler. Yes. Sometimes you need to take that safety net away. And if they realize, yep. hey, if I fall this time, there's not going to be anything there to help me. That'll make yep. them, it's like the, prodigal son. And when the, you, when he came to himself, when he finally hit the bottom is when he looked up and some parents won't let their kids hit the bottom. They just it, constantly it, are saving them. I had somebody in my church say this the other day, and I'd never thought about it before, but the, the prodigal son's father never left his house. That's right. And you know, he didn't go, he didn't go chasing him down. And of course, you know, we have to, we, we balance this with stories of leaving the 99 and going to find the one there's times to go out and rescue. Um, but there's times when you're seeing patterns that as hard as it is that you have to wait and you have to, you know, just start fattening the calf up and believe in the Lord that they're going to come yep. back. And I think that there's, there's, uh, there's, there's seasons that that it's going to be difficult, uh, but it, it could pay dividends in the long run. I had my two boys go away from the Lord and, uh, they were doing things that weren't right. And I told them, I said, look, I love you. There's nothing you could ever do that'll make me not love you. But the worst thing I could do is subsidize your ungodliness. You'll yeah. never have me help you sin against God. And that's tough love, but you got to do that. So Gail, yeah. I hope that helps you. 
Let's go to Virgie in Florida, and you're on with Lucas and Andrew. Hello. Virgie, are you? Thank you for taking my call. Yes, I'm here. Okay. What have you got? So, my question is, um, in the public schools, how, what are some good models or projects that parents could use? Well, Lucas, I think you've dealt with this quite a bit, haven't yeah. you? Would you so, like uh, what state are you in, first off? She able to tell us? I'm sorry, She's what did you ask? Yeah, what, what state are you in? Oh, I'm in Florida. Okay, well, you got, you got the first part right. Um, you know, and, and I think that, uh, look, there are some, some great headways that are happening in public schools. I know that in Florida, that's a place where I actually go and minister a lot. I'm, I'm gonna be down in the Tampa area in the first week of November at several events down there. I'll have those on my website at lucasmiles.org posted. Um, but look, there are, uh, I think a lot of groups, Moms for Liberty, you know, that are doing some work in school boards. Um, there's another uh, um, uh, pastor and I'm gonna butcher his last name. His name's John and his last name starts with an A. It's an African last name. And um, I've only met him once in person, but we're both summit faculty. He's going around the country speaking at school boards. I spoke at the school board at my local um, uh, uh, city. It's a, about a 3000 person high school and a large school system here. And one of the school board members reached out to me and said, hey, would you be willing to read our SEL material, the social emotional learning material? And they knew that I was you know, writing and speaking about you know, Marxism and studying it and everything else. And they said, would you kind of audit this for me and tell me if you think it's Marxist or not? And he did this kind of, he kind of came to me in the night to ask me if I would, if I would review this. So I reviewed it and then he said, I can't personally like tell you to come to the school board meeting, but you know, if you if you show up there and give your findings, I won't be mad, you know, sort of thing. So I showed up and I got three minutes at the school board and um, I, I, you know, went through the whole material and I itemized and, and went through as much as I could in three minutes, you know, all the, the kind of offenses of this really demonstrating this was a Marxist, you know, uh, um, sort of an infiltration of Marxist, you know, teaching, you know, to the kids at this age, uh, from CRT to they were quoting Herbert Marcuse, which was a you know a well-known Marxist in the '60s, and 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 others. And um, you know this video went viral. We had 500,000 people or something see it on on TikTok. And and look, there's a lot of people doing that. And I think you got to arm yourself with some of those same arguments because the schools are all dealing a lot of times with the same material. Uh, it's it you know and the issues are either you know um, what's being taught in the classroom, uh, the the curriculum that's being presented, what's at books are in the library, all of that. Uh, but you as a parent, and even if you're just in the district and you don't have kids, I didn't have kids in the district, I but I lived in the district, and so I came in and I spoke. You're allowed to go there and and give your peace of mind and and share your points. I encourage you to do it respectful, uh, to do it in a way that you don't lose your witness in the process, but be direct. You can be strong, you know, without being rude. Um, and I think that um, you know, you know, groups like Turning Point and and you know, Truth and Liberty and other groups that are out there are doing some great stuff in the space. Uh, if you reach out, you know, even to me on social media uh, through one of my pages, I'd be happy to point you to some other resources too. Hey Amen. That's a good answer. You need to get involved, Virgie. Yes. Thank you for your call. Let's go to Gladys, and you are an AWM partner as well as a Truth and Liberty partner. Thank you. You're from Georgia. You're on Truth and Liberty with Andrew and Lucas. Hello, brother Andrew. Hello, brother Lucas. Hello. Uh, yes, I was just wondering, uh, how do you preach a funeral for an unbeliever, please? You know, I don't think I've ever 
preached a funeral for an unbeliever. Have you, Lucas? I have. So our church, we spent, uh, you know, we bounced around trying to find a building for a long time and until God got us where we are now. But it, uh, for two years, uh, and this might sound creepy, but we met in a chapel funeral home that uh, they didn't do any of the embalming or anything there, but they had a, they had a big chapel area. And during that time, whenever, uh, you know, we were paying kind of next to nothing for it for rent, the guy was really just doing us a favor by letting us meet there. We grew, you know, quite a bit at that space. I always told people, people were dying to come to church. And, um, <laughs> you know, we, uh, um, but I, I probably did 50 funerals during those two years of every time somebody would come, you know, would, would pass at the funeral home, if they didn't have a well, pastor, if they didn't have a home church, they would call me and say, hey, can you come over here and do the funeral? And I mean, I had days where I probably did two funerals in a day uh, during that time period. And, you know, a lot of times I didn't get to know, uh, I didn't know the person at all that had passed. You know, I'm, I'm meeting them after the fact, uh, you know, just, just their physical body there at the service and I'm meeting their family. And, um, uh, you know, my goal at a funeral is always to minister to the people that are in the room and not to the person who's, who's passed. I can't do anything. I can't pray that person into heaven. I can't do anything to change their destination, the choices that they made. I will pray things like, Lord, I commit their spirit to you. And essentially what I'm saying is it's his job at that point to be the judge. He doesn't need me to say that, but that's something that I've said before there practically. But really, I focus on ministering to people in the room, and and I always try to be honest. I don't like it when when a pastor, if they don't know somebody, that they pretend like they knew them. So a lot of times, I would I would share the basic things, share about the family I've gotten to know, and then I would open it up for people, you know, to have their own kind of eulogy time to share about that person, and then ultimately I would share about my relationship with Jesus and why I'm looking forward to going to heaven someday. And uh, I didn't do a hard, you know, evangelism thing that you have, you know, with a big altar call at these funerals. But I, I had a lot of people show up at our church because they came to a funeral that I did for the first time. And, and so I think you just got to focus on who's in front of you in the room. Well, like I said, I've never been in that exact situation, but I've got friends that uh, said that this is a great opportunity to give an evangelistic service. Yeah. And I've been, I just was at a funeral recently and the guy didn't know the person that they were doing the thing for, and he just assumed that they were in heaven, and I'm not sure that they were. Yeah. And that's a great opportunity to just say things like what Lucas is saying, that you know all of us are gonna be headed to having a funeral, and you need to live your life in such a way that the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that they can say that for sure you're born again. So anyway, I hope that helps, Gladys. Let's go to Tanya in Georgia, and you're on Truth and Liberty with Lucas and Andrew. Tanya. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Um, I have a question. Um, I have been kind of led a lot about my uh, emotions, you know, and I'm realizing that, you know, in, you know, making decisions that even, and I've had some health problems for the last couple of years, believing and standing on God's word that by his stripes I'm healed. Sometimes when the symptoms come, you know, I'm not that I, I know I believe, but the emotions that come with those things are just that for instance or anything. Sometimes emotions can be so strong. How do you get yourself to not stand so much on, you know, go being led by how you feel, but going with God's word instead when you've been well. led by your feelings? I wished you'd been in my class this morning. I taught on this very thing, and it was powerful. We had people repenting right and left. But I do have a series. I have a little booklet entitled Self-Centeredness, 
the source of all grief. I've got another teaching that is CD, DVD, and a book entitled Harnessing Your Emotions. And just the whole general teaching that I do on what I call spirit, soul, and body, who you are in Christ is the answer to that. So I've got a lot of teaching on this, Tanya. I can't tell you all of it, but basically it's a process. Every one of us have been ruled by our emotions. And when you get born again, you become a brand new person in your spirit. And the victory in the Christian life is learning to live out of your spirit, which in your spirit, there's only love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, according to Galatians 5, 22. And the victory is learning how to go by what the word says about you, who you are in the spirit and not letting your emotions dominate you. If your emotions dominate you, you are going to be a weak, immature Christian. That's not to say that you deny you have emotions, but you just take control over them and you live out of your spirit instead of out of your emotions. Lucas? Yeah, and, and let me hit maybe the practical side of this along with that. I would I would amen everything you just said and that that's that's uh I mean that that that's that message has transformed, you know, my wife and I's life, you know, in many ways. The, uh, on a practical level, I mean, in today's culture, we are doing so many things to just burn ourselves out. You know, we stare at our phones all day. We, you know, we barely see the sunlight. We, you know, we work, you know, obsessively. Um, and it's really easy to, you know, we eat terrible diets oftentimes. It's really easy in the natural to, to create a lot of bad habits that end up creating problems. And, and so I think that, you know, we have to look at, we have to always look at ourselves kind of holistically. We start in the spiritual, uh, but then there's, you know, we recognize that there's some point, like for me, I, I was having trouble sleeping for a long time. And, you know, I just started doing the math and finally was like, oh, it's, I'm staring at my phone right before I go to bed, reading something or hitting some news story or posting something on social media. And so, you know, I've made a point that the moment that I sit in bed, I don't look at my phone anymore once I'm ready yeah. to go to bed. And as yeah. much as I can, you know, unless it's an emergency or something like that, I'm trying to not look at it till I get up. And you know what? I'm sleeping better and it's, and it's working. So Lucas, we're down to just one minute left. I'm sorry we ran out of time. No, I know fine. that there's... Uh, and Anna from Australia, thank you very much for calling, but man, we just don't have time. We've also got Frank from Missouri on there. We're sorry we didn't get to you, but uh, thank you for your calls. And Lucas, thank you for being with us. Man, I really I'm, appreciate it. Such a pleasure. I'm, thank I'm you. I'm looking forward to having you at our Truth and Liberty Conference next week. And so anybody who's watching, please come and join this. It's going to be a great, great time. Again, you can go to Lucas Miles. Uh, what do you, how do, what's the address yeah, so again? Lucas, LucasMiles.org. Uh, find out my speaking schedule, books, all those things. Get a copy of Woke Jesus or AmericanPastorProject.org to find out more about that. Amen. So thanks, Lucas, for being with us and thank all of you for joining us. Remember that we do this every weekday now from 3.30 till 5 o'clock Mountain Time and we have guests on just like Lucas. It's an awesome time. I think you'll be blessed. So join us again tomorrow and uh, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.